I've got the headphones on and I've put the hat on top of the headphones. Right. on. Hello, Miff. Hi, Zan. Happy Huge Hat Thursday. Happy Huge Hat Thursday. It's gone off in the office. <laughs> it's gone off. It's gone off around the country. I'm not sure if you've seen. Um, I've had one person text me back, two people text me back with photos on Instagram of their small children in huge hats, which, so is, which is inevitable anyway. Thank you, Monique Burley, who filled in for you, Zan, while you're away in Greece having a fabulous time. Yes. Her little boy is wearing a huge hat. She sent me a photo. And another mate as well sent a photo of herself. And that's three. So, and you, Zan, you have upped the game. On huge hat Thursday. It's a peach Melbourne of a of a huge hat. I've um I've gone above and beyond. I got to be honest with you, Miff. Mm. I forgot about it until I Not saw you enough. posting an Instagram, and then I was like, oh no, I got to run out and get one. And luckily, there is an ABC costume department at work, so I ran down. <laughs> Saw Mandy in costumes, like, I need help. I just need the biggest hat you've got. And she Great. delivered. But oh, it's, so I mean, if, if you missed out on last week's episode, it's mm. in tribute to J-Lo and also Alicia Keys. The yeah. big hat is back. Big hat we is back. We saw it at the Grammys and we're bringing back huge hat Thursdays. Yeah, and if, you, if you're into Married at First Sight as well, we had one of the uh, contestants, I think you'll call it, because seriously, they couldn't be anything but competitors. Um <laughs> She was wearing a huge hat on Wednesday night, one of them. Um, so clearly huge hats are back. And uh, Aldous Harding, who's a great singer, oh, yeah. her new promo photo, huge hat. Huge hats are everywhere, Zan, and we are ahead of the curve and we told you all about it last week and we're already into it. So that's what you get from listening to Bang On. <laughs> we're here for you. We're here to allow your fashion choices to become real, like the, the out there fashion choices that you wouldn't feel comfortable <laughs> normally wearing to work or whatever. But if you've got a team, you feel a little less insecure and you just get to share it with the world and everyone enjoys it's a not huge a team. hat. It's a trend. We're starting a trend, Miss. That's right. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. It's fashion. fashion. Speaking of fashion, um, a passing of a huge icon in fashion a couple of days ago, mm. Karl Lagerfeld, who died at the age of 85, seems like he was suffering um, a very short-term Intense illness. First, we heard of him being unwell, and um, the first news that we got was really that he'd passed away a couple of days ago. There's mm. really, in the wake of the those this news, two camps of thought following his death, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can look at what Karl Lagerfeld achieved, and that was transforming the fortunes of Chanel. Um, he took over in the '80s and pretty much turned that fashion house around. And Chanel is now possibly one of the leading brands in the world. He himself is worth billions. He's also behind Fendi uh, as well. And really, his work filtered through to the high street. So we've all got a little bit of Karl Lagerfeld in our wardrobes, no doubt, or at least we can aspire to have a bit of Karl Lagerfeld in our wardrobes. But the problem is, like people like Karl Lagerfeld, with great power and great influence came probably a bit of, bit of behaviour that was questionable. And as he said, two camps. Um, he said a lot of provocative things over the years, in particular against uh, women who had any weight on their bodies. He didn't. Mm. He wasn't really into this curvy model revolution, which he made quite clear. He said someone like Adele was a little too fat to wear his clothes. Um, so he wasn't the most inclusive of people, let it be said. But some would say that's fashion and that's a choice he's allowed to make. But I'm not entirely sure. I think he probably hadn't evolved as well as perhaps, you know, some of the models that were wearing his clothes or people speaking out about him. There's been a lot of 
lot of talk in the last 24 hours. Um, Jamila Jamil, yeah. who we know from The Good Place, posted an article about someone saying, stop mourning oppressors, anti-condolences for Carl Lagerfeld. And she said, even if it is a little soon, this is on Twitter, a ruthless, fat-phobic misogynist shouldn't be posted all over the internet as a saint gone too soon. Talented for sure, but not the best person. And I think that's really interesting at the moment as we come to understand these figures that were never really criticised for some of the inappropriate things that they said and did because they were considered to be geniuses. And well, I yeah. think that's the discussion we're all having at the moment. That's, I mean, yeah, this is exactly the thing that I picked up because obviously a lot of friends and fans of, of Lagerfeld have said, look, it's not cool to speak ill of him in the days after his death. But that's the thing. Throughout his whole life, his comments have been somewhat brushed over. So when he said things that are, you know, overtly sexist, uh, fat shaming, misogynistic, they've been described as kind of catty or bitchy or controversial or he's an eccentric instead of being called out for what they are. And many people, just like the discussion we had last week about the Ryan Adams piece, mm. many people have profited from his position so haven't rocked the boat. It's suited them to go along with that and not sort of ruffle any fe- feathers. So he's never had to be called to account for the things that he said in, as you say, a changing world. And that that kind of idea, again, of separating the art from the artist, it's just such a convenience. It's a convenience for those who profit, and for fans who have to deal with the darker side of someone's life. It's often really confronting when someone that you love and whose art you love, all of a sudden you realise, oh, they weren't that good a person or they did something really horrible mm. to someone else. And it's it's inconvenient, you know, there's a lot of other words for it as well, to reassess your relationship with that. But the thing is that these actions that people take – where others are hurt by them, directly affected by them, you know, they they need to be held to account. And so when you're summarising the picture of someone's life, you need to give that full picture. The whole picture needs to be painted. Yeah. I don't think the, the, that sort of comment of it's too soon, it's really just acknowledging something that the fashion industry had a hard time acknowledging the whole time he was alive because it was convenient to just brush over it. But in the wake of his death, much like we've said before, you know, you need to take the full picture of who this person was, the good and the bad. Yeah. I did like, how, though, how Karl Lagerfeld did say that sweatpants were a sign of defeat, um, and I do stand by him with that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Oh, Everyone loves a bit of a tracky dack Friday. I love, a, I love a tracky dack, but, like, you know when you go on a plane, I, I really want to wear my tracksuit pants, but there's a little bit in me <laughs> that goes back to that little country girl that when you go somewhere, you dress up because it's special. And I know flights aren't special anymore, but I still have it in me that I think it's important to, I don't know, make it a bit of an effort. And guys, Huge hats on planes is what you're saying, isn't it, Huge hats Miff? on planes. And l- <laughs> listen, to be honest, I'm not worried about ladies in tracks pants because we've been doing it for years with leggings, so that's fine. But gentlemen in a thin grey tracksuit pant with possibly no <laughs> underpants on airlines, unacceptable, fellas. I've had enough. I'm calling it. The book of flight tonight. What a perfect segue, Miff. Oh, I know. I must have been feeling it in my bones <laughs> that this was coming up. Um, in your economy seat. In my economy seat. That's correct. Um, article of the week, photograph of the week. This has given me so much joy and I want to share it with you. Lizzie Thompson is a passenger flying from Paris to Los Angeles this week. She's upset. She said a fellow passenger came on board 
and removed his pants, shoes and socks for the ten and a half hour flight. And you see a photograph of her, not her, but just the bulkhead. And he's clearly just bending down, taking his pants off in his checkered boxes and his (laughs) skinny little legs. Um, And he's just, no shame, just taking his pants off and he's doing a 10 hour flight in his boxer shorts. It's Um, not your lounge room, mate. Not your lounge room. I'm kind of into this. Because <laughs> it incorporates my dress up for the plane, but then relax when you're on it. That's... No. <laughs> Can I say, like, this story gets better as well, oh. Mick. When you sent this to me, I was like, this is joy. The passenger, after he stripped down to his boxer shorts mm. and whatever T-shirt or top he had on, he then allegedly shouted at a man who boarded with a ukulele, <laughs> come sit with me and make some music. Oh, man. And this uh, one, Lizzie must be going, no, Lizzie's, no. Lizzie's wants to get off the flight. I, I would, <laughs> yeah, I, somehow work your way to getting out of the flight. And then it gets better. He stole four mini bottles of wine from the cart two hours into the flight. Good on We've him. all been tempted when that car goes past. Yeah, totally. I don't know how you, you know do you it, have. though. I, 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 I've never done it, but I'd I've like to. I've never done it either. Yeah. I would like to. Um, and then this is this is where it gets the best, and the photos are good. You can find her on Twitter, and she's, she's documented this little journey. And we'll put it in the show notes as yeah. well. And then this gentleman has gotten cold, but he didn't think, oh, I'll just pop my pants back on. That might make sense. What he's done is just popped on a puffer jacket. With his boxer shorts. <laughs> but he got off the plane, I think, just in his puffer jacket and no. boxer shorts. I is love there, him. Is there something about crossing that threshold into the door of an aeroplane where you think, I'm in international waters now? Mm. I'm in international legal. Anything I can do, including anything. my balls. <laughs> Total freedom. <laughs> so wild. Oh, wow. Worst nightmare. Worst, Worst nightmare. nightmare. I mean, we've talked about bad behaviour on planes before. Mostly mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you for sharing that story with no me. No worries. What a week. What a week. Um, I love fashion updates. We seem to be doing them every week because there's always – an equally ridiculous fashion update or even more ridiculous fashion update, I should say. And this week, every, my Twitter was just pinging, my Instagram was pinging. It, oh, the Bang Fam were really, everyone was contacting us. It was amazing. Well, they were onto it a lot more than they have been about Huge Hat Thursday. But um, <laughs> just, the thing, we're that's just, early just a slight dig, everyone. We're um, just next early Thursday, do better, okay? <laughs> Do better. And I want to see the results of it, right? Hashtag Huge Hat Thursday. Let's we'll do this. We'll retweet your pictures when you're wearing your huge hats yeah, on Thursday. Yeah, do better, everyone. Come on. <laughs> Support me here. Support me. I feel alone. I felt very alone sitting at my desk in my huge hat. <laughs> no, I, um, actually, my, my producer, Haley brought in two more hats. So they all, my, my producers put on hats, which was very nice. And I, I love it. I didn't feel quite so silly. But these pants, it's denim again. It's fashion. Um. They have a zipper from the top where your belly button is that goes all the way down but not where it should normally stop. It keeps going all the way around up the back to the back of the jean. They're bum zip jeans. Bum zips. What for? (laughs) When did IBS become a fashion (laughs) statement? All I could think of when I saw this picture was... They can't be comfortable, and can you just imagine like how uncomfortable how? How, how uncomfortable a wedgie is, and then oh. add zip into the equation? Imagine oh. a zip wedgie. Imagine mm. how much that would catch on everything. Oh, don't imagine if oh, imagine if he went wearing undies too. No! Why 
why is Alexander Wang doing this? I don't know. He's lost the plot. <laughs> Bum zip jeans. Bum zip jeans. I'm not here for this. Although, <laughs> easy access for all areas if you need real quick, I guess. As I well, said, IBS is a fashion statement. That's what it is. How different is it to a pair of long johns where you just unbutton the little poose bit at the back and slip that mm. off so that you can go to the outhouse? How different is it, Miff? And it's, well, it's a lot different because I think you have to, the whole jeans come apart at the centre. So <laughs> it's kind of weird. But at least they don't fall off, I guess. Um, you wouldn't want to be drinking, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you, yeah, there's too many mistakes can happen here with these pants. But, you know, I'm still open to it. Fashion. No, I'm not talking about beaches this week, Miff. Do you remember that <laughs> moment from Bette Midler in oh, Beaches? Oh, industry. No, Whatever. I don't. I haven't been able to watch it since I watched it that first time. I, I was too traumatised. I'm sorry, I couldn't cope. <laughs> I can't go back to stuff like that. It's too triggering these days. It's yeah, Well, it was the first thing that I thought of when I was thinking, what's oh, a song industry. about the music industry? I didn't want to play any Ryan Adams, and that kind of maybe gives you an idea yeah. of what we're talking about, which is the music industry. And we talked a lot about this yeah. last week. It's, it's been something that it's been continued to be discussed this week, and there's obviously been lots of follow-up pieces yeah. online. But I want to bang on about this particular piece, which I know you've read, and I've seen it tweeted so many times. Uh, by Laura Snapes, who is a great journo with The Guardian. She's a music writer and she's written this great piece called The Ryan Adams Allegations Are the Tip of the Music Industry Iceberg. And it is such a concise piece on that power imbalance Mm. and why, and I think this is something that a lot of people, and particularly men who haven't felt that discrimination, it's really hard to understand when we talk about why participation in music is 50-50 when students are in school and then it drops off as soon as women yeah. enter the industry and, and why that happens. And it's kind of an intangible for many people who've never experienced discrimination in that way. But it paints, this article just paints it so brutally clearly and it also really points out just how alternative musos pride themselves on being more enlightened than rock musos, but there are just as many examples of that kind of predatorial behaviour and exploitation as power in the industries. Literally, mm. it's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. But I just thought that everything, like I, I was reading this piece, Miff, and even myself, I, f- I could feel myself in rooms where there's been conversations and my own internalised misogyny has come out, my own reactions mm. to art, art that's been made, music has been made by women and, and angles that you take that's buried deep within in a maybe possibly subconscious way that I'm trying to become more aware of yep. every minute of every day. I've been in those conversations and I've been complicit in that and it just really Me too. really nailed it. It was really quite confronting but also just so concise and brilliant. Absolutely. And uh, she also expanded on that idea that we were talking about last week about the business of music and an industry that apologises for bad behaviour and condones it in a way because that's all part of the artistic genius of the male artist and anyone around them who calls them on it is considered a bit hysterical and it's a lot to do with shoring up your own survival in the business. A lot of people allowing bad behaviour to happen simply because it keeps them in jobs. Yeah. And there's so much of that. And it's really interesting, the 1975, a UK band that really haven't had that much here, I don't think, so much. Huge success. I think they got Best Album at the Brits this week. They read a piece from... 
her article, Laura Snapes's article, Matt Healy, and he read out this bit and he just left it at that. It was actually quite powerful and I wasn't expecting it from from that band. Um, in music, male misogynist acts are examined for nuance and defended as traits of difficult artists, while women and those who call them out are treated as hysterics who don't understand art. And he just read that out and that was it. And just mm. left, they left the stage. And I don't, it was a bit weird, I must say, to have a bloke stand up and read that. But he did say it was from my friend Laura Snapes. So maybe the message is getting through, at least. Um, you know, it's it, There is some more awareness out there and it's not just women saying it now. Yeah, the fact that these conversations are even happening mm. means that it is getting through. Like things are changing and the discussions are being made and more, you know, with the, it's the, the very uh, cause, the the catalyst for all of these reactions is that a group of women got together and under a very reputable masthead, which does make a difference when the New York Times writes a piece about this because you know it's been fact-checked, you know they've checked legals and you know that they've done as much research as possible and that makes it more of an impact. But it's about that realisation that you're not alone and this has happened to plenty of other people and it's that power in numbers Mm. and the rising up is happening. There was another great piece um, in this article as well that Laura, she kind of um, paraphrased another another, uh, sorry, she kind of paraphrased another writer's words as well, saying that women are, quote, doing the boring work of killing our idols, the male artists who let us down time after time, while male predators kill the dreams of young women who admire them. It's just like, there's so many mic drops in this article. So we'll put it in the show notes. It's it's like, it's not a long read. It's not like a long 20 minute thing piece. It will take you five minutes. And for men and women alike, for people inside the industry and out, there's something for everyone in this and it just resonated so hardcore and it really does just nail this imbalance that we're talking about and just why there are so many grey areas. Mm. What are you banging on about? Oh, well, another fun one. (laughs) I've been watching Dirty John on Netflix. The Netflix TV series that is based on the podcast that was hugely successful, something like 10 million downloads or Mm. even more than that, um, based on, sadly, a true story about this person, John Meehan, who was a con man, a sociopath, and it's all about his relationship with a businesswoman, Deborah Newell, and her family, whom he met via an internet dating site. And I I feel like I don't want to give away any spoilers. It's an horrific story of... Manipulation, emotional abuse, lies, deceit, stalking. There is so much in this. And Eric Barner plays the John Meehan character. Connie Britton, who we know and love from Nashville and various other shows. She's amazing. Friday Night Lights, Tammy Taylor Forever. Exactly. She plays Deborah Newell. And, oh, gosh, um, I don't even know where to start with this. Uh, Eric Barner is extraordinary as a psycho. Um it's chilling, absolutely chilling. But the but the worst part about this whole tale is that it you can see how it happens. Totally, that's the thing. I and saw, you like, really get an insight into how this happens. Like even structural things within the family that already exist. You know, there's. I won't give away any spoilers, but something horrible happens to this Deborah Newell character in her own family that seems to be allowing her to then allow men to behave badly in her life and you just sort of see this structure topple while you're watching it and I got that sense from the podcast I think I got more of a sense of that from the television show as well and you know mother's input into 
relationships and old-fashioned ideas of what a man should be, how that changed her approach to this person who was clearly a psychopath. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I feel I felt weird watching it. I felt angry. I felt sad. And I knew exactly what happens. But you still grip, don't you? That was a thing that I thought, like, this is the second podcast that I know of that's been made into a TV series. There was another one, which I think is on only on Amazon Prime, um, Julia Roberts in the Homecoming podcast. Yeah. Yeah, So so as far as I know, that's the only one that's been adapted into a TV show. But it's really interesting um, to see, yeah, how something with exactly as you say, you know it inside out and you've been gripped. And yet I keep on watching episodes of Dirty John and it gets very late at night. And I'm like, I just want to watch one more episode because I think that that, that thing of, well, I got an interesting response from someone, um, cause I've been tweeting a bit about it this week and a lot of other people are, are gripped as well. But Connie Britton is an amazing force. Like she's a very strong woman. She's, if you ever see any of the work that she does in social media and stuff like that, she's a really strong feminist and she's an incredible actor. And then to see her in this weakened spot, someone tweeted back at me. It's like, oh, I just want to yell at her. I can't believe she's acting the way she is. She And she, that's just the sign of a brilliant actor who's portraying this woman mm. who is completely, you know, disempowered by this experience. But I think it also speaks to the reaction that we have where you sort of look at that and you're frustrated. But as you say, if you can completely see how that's unraveled, how this person has is a, is a professional con man and he plays on insecurities and trust and these past experiences to completely manipulate and just how much it can just chip away. And even when you're faced with the, the brutal reality of what mm. someone has done through their past police records, you still go back for more. Mm. And I think that that speaks to so many women who have felt manipulated in these relationships and in situations. It's just, it's chilling to watch. It's chilling to watch. Yeah. Terrifying, chilling, all those things. Just watch it or listen to the podcast. And the reason why um, Deborah Newell did the podcast in the first place was because I think I think she was even shocked at her own behaviour but also came to understand how she'd been manipulated and wanted to share with other women how this happens and I think it's that thing I think it's that thing Miff of though like if you're a really smart person and it's not I'm not going to conflate it with cults but in, in a similar sort of way, if there's a weakness in your life, is that if there's a gap in your life and there's someone who's smart enough to see that and exploit it, then it's not about being smart or dumb. It's not about being necessarily vulnerable. It's about just that person finding that mm. Achilles heel and going for it. And he absolutely did that. He did that in an incredibly <sighs> slick way, in a horrible way. Eric Barner deserves an Oscar for that and he won't because it's a TV show. But my goodness, amazing. It's very, very good. Oh, that, that went from huge hat Thursday to really heavy, 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 heavy themes. <laughs> Can I ask you, just to, before we get out of here, mm-hmm. what's going to happen to Chappay? Oh, Lagerfeld's, Lagerfeld's cat. cat. We're the most spoiled cat in the world. I'm pretty sure we'll be looked after with the $78 million that Lagerfeld has left for himself and Chappay. Um, <laughs> do follow Chappay on Instagram. Beautiful cat. Beautiful. <laughs> Chappé's got its own like ta- owner that takes care of like a, a caretaker that just mm. feeds it, you know, five uh, gourmet meals every day and just yeah. takes care of it. It's just Chappé's diary. And, oh no, there's a she's there's a photo of Chappé with a morning hat on. Oh, I think it's an Instagram filter, but it's very, in very poor taste. But I, I've, <laughs> I've just seen it now and I kind of love it. Holy yes, go there. Well, she pays Chappé, even Chappé, even Chappé's doing huge oh. hat Thursdays. Like totally, get on board, <laughs> get on board, step up, everybody.
Hashtag Huge Hat Thursday. <sighs> next week. Oh, my God. I'm really taken aback by that. I'll see you next week if I can see you from <laughs> under the broom of my hat. Uh, we don't need to see eyes anymore. That's the whole thing. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, it doesn't matter. That's the whole point of the Huge Hat. It's just the magnificence can linger underneath. All right. I tip my cap to you then. Yeah. See you next <laughs> boom, week. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> see ya. Bang. Hang on. And now it's a hat. It's not an Instagram filter. It's an actual hat. Wow. Double J.